you know, you, you ask any dealer, it's we're, we're, we're March 3rd, give it another week. And they're going to be like, eh, well, you know, it's one of those months again. Blah, 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 blah. When are we going to get sick of having saying that over and over again? And what can we do about it? So you talk about desperation versus inspiration. How do we, what's your recommendation? Like, how do we flip the switch in, in our mind to realize that, that you can be inspired or you can attract deals versus constantly thinking about, oh, it's one of those months and I only got two. I wanted a hat trick today and I didn't get it. Well, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, we always talk about bad months. It's always the fire sale mentality the last week, right? It's, it's we live in 30-day bubbles. We have 12, 30-day right. years every single year. And we're always trying to pull it out. And, you know, I believe that, that selling is, I'm a big sports fan, and I believe it's a lot like sports, right? Sabermetrics and baseball. And it's, it's a numbers game. If you know the numbers, you control the game. If you don't know the numbers, you can't control the game. And as salespeople, we don't have bad months. We have bad hours because we sit around and do nothing and wait for something to happen. Those bad hours turn into bad days. Bad days lead to bad weeks. Bad weeks become bad months. But it's, it's knowing your numbers, knowing your stats. How many, how many customers do you have to talk to face-to-face, belly-to-belly this month to be able to sell your 15 cars? How many demos do you have to do? How many write-ups? Do you know that your exact numbers, therefore, you can be early. We don't have to pull the month out. You can, be, you can see if you're trending above or below each one of the activities. We always look at the, the lagging indicators, how many we sell, how much money we make, but what's the leading indicators that determine that? I ask managers all the time when they're in my workshops that when you call back to the dealership, what do you ask them? And they always tell you how many we sell, how much we make. Okay, but how many leads do we get? How many contacts do we make from them leads? How many appointments do we set? How many shows? How many ups do we have? How many demos? Right, right. Those activities are what ultimately give us the results. And if you want to have great months, you got to have great hours and, and come in every day with, with a plan, like, you know, the playbook. Know what your, what your daily routine is going to be. I think that's the biggest separator between guys I know that are high producing top, top achievers and everybody else is, they have a purpose, purpose-driven career, and they're not in survival mode. Right? Look right. around a dealership. Are you surviving or succeeding? Right. And there's a lot of survival going on. And I don't and blame I mean, anybody. It's just kind of the way it's always been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. But, but, but I, you know, I'm with you. It's, it's this idea of that's the way it's always been that killed so many dealerships during the recession. Right. And well, now, because we're at a, you know, we're at a big... We're at a paradigm shift. It's, I I equate like in my, in the book Frictionless, I talked about how service used to, when I first started 20 plus years ago, they were 90, 95% of all repairs. Most maintenance was done at car dealership. And I did a study and they were tough numbers to find exacts, but the best number I could find was in 2018, $405 billion was spent on, on, light duty vehicle repairs and maintenance. And the scary part is only 65 billion of that 405 billion was spent at car dealership. Mm. If we would rewind that 20 plus years ago, chances are, I don't know the real numbers, but it would have been closer to 400 billion or 390 billion was spent at dealerships. And I guess, why do people go to third party repair facilities? I think because they have choices. Right. That was the different that was the differentiator. 
as soon as Jiffy Lubes and Quick Lubes popped up on every corner and customers had choices, they abandoned us. And yeah. now we have 88% give or take of, of, the, of repairs going to third-party facilities. Service didn't change its process. To this day, service runs virtually the same. They look better, better computers, but the process is still advisors, dispatchers, techs, wait in small rooms, drinking stale coffee, watching reruns of CNN headline news. And they didn't change. And the problem, we never had to change service because you don't go broke because you don't sell service. You go broke because you don't sell cars. Now we're at that same paradigm shift where customers are at that point where they're going to have options. Every dealership in the country is a click away. We got Carvanas, Walmarts. Who knows what's coming? Click and buy is around the corner when they can figure it all out. So are we going to be prepared and are we delivering exceptional experiences with every customer? So when they get choices, they're not going to take them. They're going to stay with us. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you're, you're positioning this as a paradigm shift because there really is one of two ways to go. I mean, I know there's, there's going to be a lot of people that hear information like this and, and it's doom and gloom to them. They go, oh man, Walmart. Do you see Walmart's announcement? They're getting into the, this and, the, and oh yeah, you know what? I'm done. And they're packing up shop. Or they even because they think, oh, these bigger players with bigger money with bigger resources are coming in to to smush on me. Right. Uh, there's a the other group though, and I I think I'm in this group, which is that's actually exciting because there was all this doom and gloom that the car industry is dying and this and that. Yet you're still seeing all of these massive players wanting to invest in it, and and it's because to, to your point, you know what I'm picking up here is they're seeing something. They're seeing an opportunity that because that, that we've been blinded to because we've been so comfortable doing it a certain way. Yeah. To your point about like the Jiffy Lubes and the, the whatever, the 15 minute whatever, you know, like we're talking about oil changes here. I should not have to leave my vehicle with you for two and a half hours to get an oil change. Absolutely. However, I, I think, I mean, how much of that is, is also a paradigm shift about what resources are needed. So for example, like I, you know, is it the process we have currently that accommodates the the resources that we put into it? Meaning, if I was going to do a fifteen minute oil change, then I'd have to be thinking about personnel and having people on hand to do it, and all of these sorts of things. And have I gotten to a place where I'm ready to make that investment? Like, is that kind of what the the narrative is? Do you think that's holding dealers back, or? Yeah, lack of vision, comfort zone. We're making a lot of money in spite of ourselves right now. Um, you know, we're, you know, we've all heard the Kodak analogy, right? It's they invented the digital camera and did nothing with it because they were so focused on feeding the beast, paying the bills with all their film and their paper and their cameras and the old school photos that they didn't see the future and they didn't create a separate engine for the digital age of photography and of of photos and lifestyle i think we're at that same point that we're so focused on feeding the beast selling cars now making money now that we don't see what's next are we are we going to be able to build that digital side and so often we just put band-aids on gunshot wounds right we have old school bdcs that were you know started in the 90s And we think of these, when leads come in, we think of them as leads. They're not leads, man. They're customers on the other end. They're real people. And are we treating them that way? And are we tying salespeople in with that process? Or are we 
dividing the two departments, BDC against the salespeople, right? Do we have, are we still having customers come in and ask for managers so then they can wait five minutes because managers work in deals and then we just hand them off to a salesperson? And we all know that every customer hates being handed off multiple times in stores. So let's make a process that, that pisses them off in the first five minutes of showing up, right? right? Are, are we still doing that or are we going to embrace it, right? We, we don't want to be Kodak and just live in the past and focus on feeding the beast. But at the same time, we don't want to be Napster or, right. or you know, web TV and be so far in the future that we're not feeding the beast today. Right? We have to have that happy medium of what is, what's trending, what's next, but also can I get out there and close the deal now? Can we hold gross now? Look, gross right. is not a dirty word. And can you have volume and gross at the same time? Absolutely, it's about the experience. Right. It's about professionalism, man. And I think, we're, like I said, we're afraid of losing deals instead of focused on going out there and giving customer wins, setting them up for victories.